Well, if somebody is showing kindness, then they are practicing what uh, we have been talking about in Ephesians. Walking in love. Walking in kindness. Imitating God. That's uh, That sounds like a good series to do, doesn't it? Imitating God. That's the first verse of chapter 5 where it says, Therefore be imitators of God as dear children. That's where we left off last week. And we know that Ephesians talks about walking worthy, walking, 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 right? Walking worthy of your call. Uh, Walking worthy is to imitate God, to imitate Him, to mimic Him. I think we looked at it last week. That means to, uh, to pattern our lives after Christ. And He's the one who walked worthy. And He's the worthy one. And... But it was because of who he was and and what he did, and so we know that we're to be like Christ, and we are being formed in the image of Christ. It goes all the way back to uh, Romans eight. The ultimate goal for the uh, Christian is to be conformed to Christ, right, to the very image of Christ. And Second Corinthians three eighteen it says, "We gaze at the glory of God, one level of glory to another, changed into His image." And then in First John two six it says that um, as we abide in Him we ought to walk as He walked, um, to imitate Him. And First John three two it says someday we shall be like Him in uh, the aspect that we will see Him as He is. So we know we're to even be Christ like now, and we will be even more than. But right now it's already it's already began at, at when we started eternal life when we became Christians. But the essence of walking worthy is is uh, to be like Christ, like God, imitating God. That's the essence of imitating Him. So we see in Ephesians 5, if you have your sheets from verses 1 through 7 there, your outlines, that's going to be walking in love. And it will show the opposite of what love is, and the way the world thinks love is. And then 8 through 14, which I actually have outlines made, and I'll get those out here, and I'm sure we'll move right on into verse 8. You never know. We could. Maybe not. We're just moving right along. Okay. Uh, two aspects, though, uh, that we'll be looking at. Um, walking in love and then walking in light. And, and so um, that that's the essence of these two aspects. So, why don't we uh, begin with prayer? Is that sound like a good thing to do? Yeah. Father, we thank You for this evening. Thank You again for another day, uh, another breath of life that You've given us so that we can represent Jesus Christ here on earth. And that sounds like an impossibility, and it is, without the Holy Spirit in us, without being filled with uh, Your very Word. And we just want to be walking along, uh, representing uh, Jesus in our lives. We want to be empowered so that wherever you take us in whatever avenue that we happen to be doing on a day-to-day basis, that it would glorify your name, for it is all about you. And thank you so much as we reap the benefits of being graced by you. Give you all glory and help uh, lead us into this uh, truth that uh, you have given to us in Ephesians. In Jesus' name, amen. Imitators. Ephesians 5. A lot of admonitions here. The ultimate goal. The ultimate goal. 
to be like Christ. We're right at the heart of it. How do you how do you act? We've seen all the theology, and we're still in the theology, but first three chapters, especially the theology, and now it's talking about doing the walk. And he says in verse two, after saying we're to be imitators of God as dear children and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us and given Himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling aroma. Nice verse. Walk in love. Fervent in love, even. That it'll get to. It's um, a love that would be where a muscle is strained to its limit. That's the fervency of this, this kind of love here as we walk in this love. Uh, and, and it definitely was uh, fervent by Christ as He gives the uh, supreme example Offering, sacrifice for us. That a sacrifice is the supreme act. And it was demonstrated by Christ. And we know that whenever He did that, He forgave us. Forgiveness was granted to us. And I can't think of anything better than to talk about forgiveness. Because that means our sins are cast away. And He demonstrated that. And we are now to imitate His love. Walk in His love. And, uh, of course, we see there that uh, forgiveness is one aspect. Love is to be forgiving. And it's been said that the depth of our love is going to be seen by how we forgive. Uh, Somebody has done a wrong action, said something about you, who knows what they've done, and being willing to forgive them no matter what they've done... um, that's a um, copy in Christ when we do that. It's, that um, that's deep love. Quite an act. There's a giving love. Uh, he has given us all things. He grants us all things. And then there's a living love. And that's a practical, active type love. What did He do? Well, He loved us. He gave Himself. And there are those two words. What are they? For us. Given for you. And so here we, we're, we're tracing this pattern. Now, it's just like we were talking about last week. Um, you take a, a picture and a child learns how to draw by tracing and he gets better and better at that and he traces it and it looks just like the original picture. Uh, there's a pattern there. And the more and more we know Christ, the more that uh, we'll be able to, to see that uh, what He did. It's that, that atoning work uh, of Christ. And so we think sacrificial also. And because here he says he gave himself as an offering and a sacrifice. Christ's love was sacrificial, an offering, a sacrifice. Leviticus 1.5. You have five different type of offerings there. And Paul is alluding back to the Old Testament offerings of what the animals um, were uh, done had done for the nation as the priest uh, brought them to the um, the atoning work as he brought the blood all the way back if you want to go back to even the uh, uh, you think of the day of atonement of course we think of all the different feasts and of course the everyday Sabbaths and such um, but you have a burnt offering that would be practiced on a daily basis and that represented Perfect devotion or total devotion to Christ. 
there was another offering called the meal offering, and whenever I say Christ, that's we know all the offerings are pointing to Him. It's not in the animals themselves, but it is pointing to the ultimate sacrifice. So really, it's a total devotion of Christ. When you have the meal offering, it's dealing with uh, a perfection of Christ. And then you have a peace offering. And of course, that would be the peace that Christ uh, has and that He offers between God and man. Then you have two other kinds of sacrifices and actually, they are repulsive to God. The other three are the sweet-smelling aromas. The other two sacrifices are dealing with the sin offerings. And we've had like the, the burn offering, the meal offering, the peace offering. Then you get into the, um, the sin offering and the trespass offering. Those are two bad terms, aren't they? This is where... We know that when Christ was on the cross, as He bore our sin, what did the Father do? It was like He turned Himself away from Him, didn't He? And so there's the repulsiveness of it dealing with uh, the the sin. He's the sin bearer. It's like the Father uh, could not look upon Him in, in in a sense there. Bearing the sin of mankind. Trespass offering. He was the sin bearer. 2 Corinthians 5.21 Paul takes this uh, thought here. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jerry Bridges had a quote on justified. You guys have always heard the old... uh, thought that it's justified never sinned. Jerry Bridges puts a little twist on it. I think it's really fascinating. It's pretty good. Uh, just as if I had always been righteous. He looks us. He looks and sees us as being righteous of what, because of what Christ has done for us as He took on that sin. Bore the sin of man. So you can see out of all those different offerings, they represent different uh, thoughts and ideas of who Christ was as it was pointing to that. Did you get a fragrant aroma for a sweet-smelling aroma? And of course, they had a lot of different uh, kind of smells going on, aromas going on in the tabernacle as it, uh, you would have the altar of incense and that aroma would go up to God, and it was like uh, there's the sacrifices that have been done, and uh, as he had the coals that were put there, and and uh, it was like God was pleased with those sacrifices, and as if they would uh, follow the command that he had given, he was pleased with those. It was still coming from their heart, though. And we know that for many, many, many years, they actually offered sacrifices that were not really pleasing to him because of their hearts. Spreggan aroma. Go to uh, Philippians 4.18. Here you have this same thought here and it puts it into uh, New, New Testament terms where people have that sweet smelling aroma. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full having received from Epaphroditus the things sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable
acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. There an offering was taken up uh, for the sake of Paul and the apostles, the travelers there, and Epaphroditus brings that to him. And uh, he said that is a sacrifice that was actually made by them. A lot of the people that gave, it was, it was a, a sacrifice to give the, this kind of money and uh, to meet the needs that had to be done. And it was really as a sacrifice that ultimately is going to God and is well-pleasing to God. And so he takes that terminology that came out of the Old Testament and uh, the sacrifice is fragrant aroma. Acceptable. Spiritual sacrifice. Uh, another one. Second Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 14. Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Do you like that? He's always leading us. Did you know that we are in a triumphant parade always? And did you know that I'm just glad to be in the army? I'm just glad to be in the parade. I don't care if, you know, <laughs> if everything else seems like it's falling down around me. I'm just glad to be in the army marching in this parade. Look at this. Look what God's putting on display. This church. We're in it. What a wonderful thing. Small church. Big church. Medium-sized church, good people, bad people, <laughs> all sorts of different things, and still yet, we are in the triumph. Now, moving on. And through us, let's talk about God, diffuses the fragrance of His knowledge in every place. The fragrance of His knowledge in every place. As it goes on in 15, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ, among those who are being saved. And look at this. And among those who are perishing. To the one, we are an aroma of death leading to death. People that don't like the message of the Gospel. And to the other, it's the aroma of life leading to life. And who is sufficient for these things? For we are not, as so many peddling the Word of God, but as of sincerity, but as from God, we speak in the sight of God in Christ. So, the uh, fragrant aroma, uh, the good news that's being passed out, Paul is grateful just having the privilege of being used as a tool by God and uh, showing who Christ is and uh, wherever he went, used that. And so he used this triumphant parade and uh, this uh, using all of these analogies that they... Uh, in verse 14, I try. Uh, he leads us in triumph in Christ. Procession. Does that make sense? Procession? Yeah. yeah. Uh, ESV has procession. I don't know exactly. Yeah. That's good. Makes yeah. you think of a parade. We are in the parade. God is using us to demonstrate who He is. And He's using us. And, and Paul then says that and He's privileged that He would, would be that way. And then, the you know, it there about what the good news is. To some people, it's a fragrant aroma. To other people, it's a bad, bad smell. They don't want it. They don't like the good news. They don't want the gospel. They don't want grace. That's and so as we're in this parade, some some will really be blessed. People by it. think we stink. Well, that's 
<laughs> that could be very true. Some people are, well, what's the word when you're not committed either way? Well, actually, we have a Bible study here on Monday nights. Yes, sir. Neutral, not just like quick. Come on in. Come on in. Sorry there, Bill. Yeah, grab your seat. we got plenty of chairs. Doing good. But you have to like the book of Ephesians. Is that okay? Is that all right? Yeah, it would be. Do you need a Bible? we got Bibles here. Yeah, we have no problem. We have Bibles here. Yeah, help yourself. Go over there and just uh, check it out. You like a study Bible? How about a... <laughs> He'll get you. He'll get you on there. Get him a... Okay, Bill. So, well, just and, and some people just are, are neutral. That was the word I think I was looking for. As an example, That'll we work. took some of the youth up to a Baptist church up in Fulton yesterday, which was a pretty small church. Average attendance is about eighty. But what these uh-huh. folks do is they go, they they still run the old-fashioned bus and go pick up kids. And so we fed these maybe seven or eight kids breakfast yesterday morning, gave them the cocoa puffs and the whole thing. And, you know, but their parents don't mind that they go. These, all these kids were anywhere from, you know, six to maybe ten years old. Their parents don't mind that they go. They just, I guess, just put them out there and the bus picks them up and takes them to the church and then brings them home after the potluck's over or whatever. And they just... You know, I think on one level they know it's good for their kids to go to the church. On another level, the kids enjoy it. So they're not anti-Christ, so to speak. But they just they, don't want to go themselves. They just don't want to go themselves. Be good if the kids went, though. probably just really don't care. They get to sleep in. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, couple it, hours free babysit. There you go. There you go. That's, you know, that's, that's what they're thinking. First explosion. The bus came by our house. Mom and I mean, Dad slept in. But but we went out and got but, on the bus. But praise God, God, they allow them to go. Yeah. Because those seeds are being planted in those you know in those in those precious least of these. They might be like pennies. Oh, they don't know what you guys are putting into their brain. Yeah, they just end up being okay. <laughs> and, I, and I, I hear that, that, that a lot of that type of bus ministry used to happen a lot more in days gone by. That hmm. It doesn't happen as much anymore. You know? That's quite a ministry. That's It, it really is. And it's definitely a good way to think, you know. Hey, if the parents are glad to have them there, all right, fantastic. I think. Well, you uh, did the same thing uh, when you were out at uh, Clarksburg, right? Uh, and the parents would never come, but they'd, they'd send their kids on there. They got exposed to uh, some uh, teaching of the gospel. I got exposed. Is that right? Happened to you right off the bat, then? As a child, yeah, that's the way I got exposed from buses and people that could pick me up. My parents were not very active in a church and I, I got exposed by people other people there we go praise yep. the Lord yep and they were there, they had some people that would come by and take my cousin and I up in their car at times and sometimes it was a bus it was just different did you look forward to it? yeah God yeah. works in a lot of ways yeah I do remember it yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> that's a that's a blessing. A, I can remember the people great ministry. Us up. Their name was Mr. and Mrs. Mann. And other names. <laughs> yeah. Well, They're probably powerful. long and gone. That's powerful. Well, that I could be a... I've never really been exposed yeah. to any of that. You know, growing up Catholic, and, you know, we all went and did the obligation thing. You did because you had to. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. 
fragrant aroma. God is well pleased with that. And we're, we're in um, actually Ephesians, but we bounce around other okay. books. But we're in Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, we're talking about uh, Christ is a sacrifice for us and uh, His offering and sacrifice as the Old Testament sacrifices were to be pleasing. Christ is the ultimate pleasing offering. And in all aspects, then our lives, like Paul's was, as we looked in Second uh, Corinthians, our lives should be well-pleasing to God. We should be like aromas going up to Him. We should be like sacrificing like Christ did. This, he says, walk in love. Um, how do we imitate God? Well, one of them is walk in love. Verse 1, be imitators of God as dear children. And here's how you do it. One way, walk in love as Christ. That is an extreme comparison. <laughs> how can I be like Christ? Well, with the Holy Spirit living in us, we can be. We can be more and more like Him until ultimately we are glorified. But uh, a fragrant aroma, that's the way we are to be, a sweet-smelling aroma. Now, verse 3 and 4 now takes that lovely, sweet-smelling aroma and that walking in love, and it shows an extreme contrast. This is the way the world thinks what love is. And all you have to do is turn on the TV or know your lost neighbors or family or friends, and a lot of them try to fill in that Love by doing these kind of things, and it's dealing with lustful activity, self-indulgence. Um, love is uh, supposed to be an object of attraction, so people have this. It should be pleasant, um, and so as we look at these things, we can see why people do some of the things they do, but it's so wrong. So he uses these words that we're all familiar with. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. He's already said walk in love. Now he says don't you let those other things that look like love to the world be a part of you at all. He goes on in verse 4. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse jesting which are not fitting but rather giving a thanks. Okay, we'll stop with the rather giving a thanks. The contrast. The world's love. Um, starts off with fornication or pornea. We get our word, what? Pornography. From that word, the word is uh, immorality. You might have that in your versions. Usually when you see the word immorality or fornication, it's that word pornea. And it, it, and it deals with all sexual sin. Just any kind of sexual sin. The next word is uncleanness. Um, this word pops up a lot. And in the Greek, you have ah, which means no. Catharsia. Catharsis. Uh, catharsis is a cleaning out, isn't it? We have an English word for that. This is not clean. Unclean. And you might have that in your translations. Mine says uncleanness. Pretty literal. Impurity. Impurity. And I had that word in my notes here. I think I put it on there. NAS, uh, I think, uses that. And ESV might have that word possibly. Is that right? Okay. I was going to say, where's that guy? Okay. What is it? Verse 3. 
Yeah, verse verse, verse three. Yeah. Uh-huh. Now, um, so that word it's a general term. It, it means filthy. It's any kind of sexual corruption. So he starts off with immorality, uh, the the pornea, then it goes into impurity, which is very closely related. And you get another word that is very closely related to those two terms, and it's called greed. And you say, well, how is greed related to immorality and purity? Well, greedy is wanting to have something that is not yours, or think of of, uh, coveting, which is really what, what that is. So it's inseparable from impurity. Immorality, impurity, they're both forms of greed. Um, they're manifestations of sexual covetousness. If uh, two people are not married, then they are in immorality, they are impure, they're related to greed here. It's, uh, it's, they're all forms of greed. They're wanting something that is not theirs. You know, it's only meant for you know, uh, marriage. And so he, he starts with that, gets into another word, filthiness. As he moves into verse 4, neither filthiness nor foolish talking, kind of related, but now he gets into not only the actions they're doing, but what they do um, uh, even in their speech. And the word for filthiness here is dealing with a talk. Any talk that is disgraceful, um, a gutter mouth, uh, something that's very degrading, um, dirty speech. Filthiness, dirty speech. And we as Christians, we, we know that, but uh, you're here in Ephesus, and you're here in a society, and he says, don't even let that be amongst you. Don't be using that kind of stuff. And sometimes you'll hear Christians be using some dirty terms, and you're wondering, why are they saying that? And so Paul has to address this. Uh, I think it's good for any society, and uh, of course we can hear this stuff uh, we can hear it on television. We can hear it through the movies. Then he, he gets to another word that's very close to this, and it's kind of an interesting word, foolish talking. And I've got it on your sheets, and it doesn't take too much to, to figure out this one. You take a Greek word, and a lot of times you find out where our English is at. Uh, we'll divide it. In. This is mor- moral or moros, which... You've heard of that one before, moron. We've used that, right? And um, that is going to be dealing with stupid. (laughs) And logia is speech, Uh, like a word, you know, a thought, or it's actually something that's being said. It's a, or talk, foolish talk, or stupid talk. So you get this word here that Paul uh, gets. It's It's a gutter mouth intellectually deficient. People say words, sometimes I think they use cuss words in there to make them seem like they're better because they feel deficient in their speech and they don't have uh, nice enough words to put there so they come up with something that they think is cool just to fill in some words to be colorful, but it turns out to be really stupid. It's a stupid, silly talk. Moron. (laughs) Moronish talk. And then he gets into coarse jesting. So, verse 4 is dealing with speaking, as verse 4 is dealing with actions, and they're all just as bad. Um, This word is, uh, I have them on your your sheets there. When you see EU, does anybody know what that means? Um, How about eulogy? We get a Greek word out of that, uh, which is eulogia. Ah, right? 
Here's that word there. So it's dealing with talking again. And that is good or well. A eulogy is a good talk. To say something good about somebody, right? Um, what do we have here? Well, something. Uh, the EU is related, but now it's traplia. So it is good, and this is turn, or well. To turn well, are you getting the idea? It's to take something that has been said that could be very innocent and very good. These people can adapt to the mood, the surrounding, the conditions, the circumstances, right at the moment, and they can take it, they can take uh, and use a really smart answer and turn it way around, or maybe they even have a sly question. It turns something innocent into something obscene or suggestive. Have you known people that have done that? Double talk in terms for a word, and they take it and they make it a dark. And you knew, and what you just said you, was very innocent, and and right. and, and then they take oh, it and yeah. bring something else around to, to, turn it to something. yeah. And it's going to be related to uh, the the silly talk, the filthiness, and uh, so anyway. Did they have some of this going on in Ephesus? Well, you know it. That was part of their lifestyle. Well, we wouldn't have that here in America, would we? <laughs> we wouldn't have that in Jeff City, anyway. <laughs> Yeah, you don't have to look very far, do you? Anyway, he says, don't even let that be named among you. Well, Ephesus, Corinth, remember at Corinth, some of the things that they were doing? Oh, you know, they had all sorts of sexual things going on in the church and, you know, all the terrible things and the way that they were taking communion. You just go on and on. They were suing each other. Well, I'm sure at Ephesus, a lot of the... Some of the same things were going on there too. So he's reminding them: if you're a Christian, you, this is not to be your. This doesn't show love. But the world's love is immorality. It is impurity, isn't it? Anything that they can get on there that they can do to twist around and make it, even the commercials, the most innocent commercials that you could have, like food. And all of a sudden, it's got to turn into some kind of a sexual perverted parade. I mean, how can you take a sandwich and turn turn it into a sexual commercial? Hardee's does that, yeah. But that's the site. Insurance on TV, I saw an insurance. Insurance commercial. Yeah, an old man and an old lady were standing there. And next thing you know, they were talking about the moment. I'm thinking to myself, wait a minute, I think they were just talking about car insurance. What's weird. insurance? Have, <laughs> why do they have to put that in? <laughs> it is. I think our country is so consumed with that. That's all they want to think about. And the mines are in the, the gutters. And uh, I know it's part of the natural thinking, but the more that they hear that, the more they, they, they can't get saturated enough. It's just constantly, you know. Uh, they're consumed with it. But that's the world's love. So he says here, here's what you do. You walk in love and you do what Christ did and have that sacrificial love. Something that's sweet smelling aroma to God. He says, but here's, here's what kind of love that you might have known. He says, don't even be in that anymore. 
And so he moves on into uh, uh, right at the end of verse 4. And I kind of divided that verse up into another point there. Um, it's the right use of the mouth. Here is how we really use the mouth. Since he's been talking about the mouth, filthiness, foolish talking, and coarse jesting, he says, here's what you do. Here's how you substitute that. You, know, you notice Paul always does that. He tells you, don't do this, but do this. Here's what you do with your tongue. You say, well, what am I going to talk about? That's all I've ever known. He says, here's what you do. Praise God. <laughs> Thank Him, right? So he's always has, always has something that will come in and plug in the gap. And uh, so he says, don't be doing that, but giving of thanks. I think the word there probably is... Uh, I'm not going to say it. I forgot. Uh, I don't want to give the wrong term there. First Thessalonians 5.18. I, I was wondering if maybe it was eulogia, but I'd almost need a Greek diction. And I know Zach is looking for it right now. <laughs> He'll save me. He'll get me out of this. 5.18. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 5.18. And, uh, of course, probably didn't really have to turn there, but in everything, do what? Give thanks. Uh, by the way, it happens to be the will of God. There's one of those will of God. Saved, sanctified, saying thanks, um, suffering. <laughs> all, all those that, uh, that you can look in Scripture and says this is the will of God. And, uh, of course, that's definitely uh, one that we uh, would say that's what God wants us to do in everything. No matter what, you mean even at the worst of times we should be saying thanks? What? In everything, give thanks. Okay. Yeah, Bob. Yes, uh, the, uh, these verses and uh, your teaching on them is... Uh, you know, real good on the thoughts or on uh, actions and words, and then there's the component of the thought thoughts that are kind of like somebody can say the right things and be behaving themselves, you know, outwardly. But what if they're living inside themselves with all that impurity in their thought life? For and so I just wanted to kind of bring that up and. Uh, mentioned Philippians four eight. Oh, think uh, on these things. Yeah. Right? What are those? In other words, you know, we're it's all about if we're going to be imitators of God, that means in truth, you know, not hypocrisy, not just playing the part, or you know, but uh, but actually in sincerity, and therefore, and I. The, the reason I'm talking about this is because, you know, MacArthur had this <coughs> teaching on sin and on uh, uh, the thought life, you know, and, how, and renewing mm. our minds, you know. Heard that. And, and, yeah, through the scriptures. And so, uh, before God, it goes even deeper, you know, into the thought life, is, I guess, my point. And so Philippians 4.8, I'm thinking on whatever's honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent. You know, there's a way we have to we have to work at being able to clean 
clean from the inside out, you know, with the Word of God, uh, so that we can do these things. We can put away the, the immorality, impurities, the covetous, you know, things like that. Because you could still live your life doing those things inside, you know, if, if that hasn't been dealt with. Right. Take care of. What what you think upon is how that's really you're going you to live, isn't yeah. it? That's really who you are because God knows those things. You know, you Amen. can hide them from other people. Twice. God says pray continuously. Yeah. Praying always. And speak pray. of His good works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't worry about everything else that's worldly. Just think of God's good works and it'll walk you right on through life. That's right. I mean, that's a, it's, it's all about Him, isn't it? It's His, it is. it's his glory. It's not about us, is it? It's all Him. Very good. That's what it's all about. I wish that more Christians would realize but this life is not about us. It is all about His glory. Yeah, it's only temporary. Yeah, uh, it's light and momentary affliction that we have. <laughs> That's right. Momentary. Yeah. <laughs> we look forward to what's coming. And in the meantime, we're we're blessed, but we know that uh, it is a hard hard road and we happen to be in a culture that fits in right with this right here this this book is is um, relevant today as it was when Paul wrote this it's just like at the the heart of man is is wicked and evil and he will expose it and uh, as as we think upon the word of god Romans 12:2 says to renew your mind as we renew our mind we're going to praise god always giving him thanks we're going to uh, what what else were we going to do? Always be praying, always, as he says there, always being God conscious based upon his truth, and that, that's the right use of it. And for thinking rightly now, as that passage, what you're saying, then now it starts to spill over in our lives. It comes from the inside. And that's really what verse 8 is going to be dealing with, the, the second part when he says, okay, now, walk in the love. That's where we've been at. Then he's going to say, walk in light. And what he's going to do is he's going to say, you have the fruit of the light. And here it is. It's goodness and it's righteousness and truth. And just to give you a um, a little bit of... Uh, and we'll get to there, probably. Uh, you could hold on, but I'll say, uh, goodness is dealing with how you deal with other people. Righteousness is how you deal with God and truth is how you deal with yourself. And I'll break that down in a moment and, and uh, maybe kind of help explain what I just said because that probably didn't make any sense. You're going to unpack it. That's yeah, unpack it. That sounds like a good official term. <laughs> okay. So we move on to verse 5 and we come back to uh, what happens to these people who stay in this kind of lifestyle. A Christian might do some of these things. Forbid, but they... They can, and they do. But that's not his practice. That's not his lifestyle. Uh, It can be very intermittent. But here is the lifestyle. Here is the life of an unbeliever. For this you know, that no fornicator, and he he goes back to that verse 3, an unclean person, which is that immoral person, nor covetous man, he uses those same three terms, doesn't it, who is an idolater, and idolatry is the thing that God hates the most. <laughs> Has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God? 
I think that strikes home enough. If this is your lifestyle, you will never inherit the kingdom of God. There can be, like what Bob was saying, there can be people who say they're Christians, look good on the outside and everything, but really they're not, and inwardly, here's where they're really at, and eventually they're going to show it. But uh, if they really have not been converted, what are they going to inherit? Not the kingdom of God. Uh, That shows outwardly. There's going to be good fruit or there's going to be bad fruit. And there is bad fruit, and it is not uh, an aroma that is sweet-smelling, and it does not please God, and then He will bring on His wrath. Uh, He says in 6, Let no one deceive you. Don't be tricked by this. Don't Don't let one deceive you with empty words, and we've just been talking about the mouth, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not you Christians, don't be partakers with them. Don't be fellowshipping with them. Hmm. The sons of disobedience. I think we've already seen that uh, with Paul using that in Ephesians 2, where he says that all were dead in their trespasses and sins. That's all of us. We were all there. Uh, you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. That means their father was who? The devil, who was a liar, who was a uh, murderer from the beginning. And that's who their father is. Jesus said that to the Pharisees. Too. Uh, they will not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, that is stated in other passages. You go to 1 Corinthians 6 and it mentions a lot of the same sexual sins and other things. Idolatry, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 and 10. You go to Galatians 5, 17 through 21 and you see the fruit of the Spirit versus these kind of works of darkness and they will not inherit the kingdom of God. So the warnings are there. The wrath of God is there on these sons of disobedience and... Um, that should be a scary thing. and he's, So he's saying to a Christian, you don't want to be hanging around this kind of um, behavior or participating in it because that's the thing that you used to do or that's the thing that unbelievers do. That doesn't show anything about walking in love. And so you're, you're not going to look. like You're not going to be imitating God if you're doing that, right? That's what he started off in verse 1. Did you know what? We have covered seven verses. Wow. Ooh, we can get unless we want to go to the uh, see the Missouri game, but it, it probably will at least be ten after because after the, the first game it always takes. So if you can get home in ten minutes, okay. <laughs> okay. Now the next section starts with verse eight, goes through fourteen. Boy, I'm just running through and making progress. We've not ever. Okay, we'll go with it. Well, who has these? Anybody have these? 8 through 14? No, I don't have that. 8 through 14? Do you guys have 8 through 14? Yeah, we just I just finished grabbed up this. I, I don't week. know what it is. Yeah. You got, okay, you're right right on. Okay. Right here. Was that 1 through 7 you had? Yeah. Okay, now, this is this is now for well, you tonight. Know. All right. <laughs> but I, I had a little something. Now, if anybody wants any more, no, we, we, have, uh, we can make more. We have a copier here. You know, you did Part the of, guy in the back. Yeah. Sometimes where I oh, man in the machine. run into trouble in all the old man rearings that we had, 
you know, the old man inside of me and the, and the, and the natural self and the one that's not special. Um, I keep coming back to that encounter that Jesus had with Nicodemus, and I, and I, and I go to the thing about being born again. And lots of people, whether, whether they're grumpy or whether whatever they do, they, you know, a lot of times they'll just say, well, that's just the way God made me. <laughs> well, and, and, and I'm going, now wait a minute, born again means clean slate, no baggage. Now you may have some tendencies, I'll use the word genetically, but, you know, okay, you know, even, even if, even if a, a father leaves the home when a child is born, to a certain extent that child will somewhat be like his father, even though his father's never there. You know, there's there's those things that I don't understand, okay? But I have trouble with that. That's just the way God made me because if we're born again, we have a brand new slate and that the, the slate of our conduct, you know, has to be from the, from the Word of God because, I mean, there's, 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 you know, billions of people are, oh, I'm just shy. I, 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 can't, I can't witness anybody. I, I just don't talk to anybody because that, that's just the way I am. And I'm saying that, that, that I'm thinking on a deeper level, born again may actually be more than we think it is. That that we have to break away from all that stuff that is our upbringing, even though God uses all that to make us new. You know, being born again is being a new creation. Or that slate is is to be wiped clean. And. And I just I've been reflecting on that because I still I still do stupid stuff that is not reflective of being born again. Does that mean anything? Yeah, you know, absolutely. Think that that's our battles. Uh, yeah, sure. Of, yeah, that's, I mean, yeah. that's we, you know uh, the will of God. If it was if it was just zapped into you, then that is really easy. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> but the will of God is something that you then you have to examine yourself and then you have to say, okay, that shyness is not working for me. So then I can't do that anymore. Like I, of course, I've always had a big problem with that. I heard a sermon about some one time about something about uh, they wanted, that God wanted you to come to him. And I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying. <laughs> but like, like you had a choice, and you and he wanted you to choose him. Like, and I don't know if you're supposed to continually try to choose. Well, we know to make a choice. Like you, you get all the stuff that happens. Even you know, I don't know. Well, it, well, it all starts with it all <laughs> starts with God. We know it all starts with grace because we can't do any of these things by ourselves. But yet, as as we are in Christ, as He lives in us, as as Christians are, now we we are to make those choices. But we know it's always based upon His grace. And how can we do it? The, the, and this is right at the heart of where Paul is at now, because he's already given us all this great doctrine. Now he says, because here's what God has done. In verse one, here he says, "Be imitators of God." And he said, "Oh, now this is the thing I got to do." Well, now it's uh, it's a synergism. You know, monergism is we're saved by grace. It's all the work of God. We can't do anything. But now we become Christians and we have a synergistic 
idea now in the sense, okay, He works in us as we are to what? Work it out. He gives us everything we need. You know, we don't need anything else. We have everything that we need of Him. Everything pertaining to life and godliness. Now we are to be obedient working this out based upon the fact, look in verse 2, where we are already tonight. And walk in love. He gives a command, but He never gives a command and leaves you hanging. What is our motive to do this command? If you think about sinning, where should we first turn? Go back to the cross. Look at what He did. And what are those two words? For us. Think about as Christ also has loved us and given Himself. We're talking sacrifice here as an offering. Seeking seeking Him, like studying the Bible. Absolutely. Seeking God. Yes, constantly. David used that term. Yeah, that's what they were talking about. In the psalm. That's what I was trying to say. Where you you study the Bible, you go to church, you do things to try to seek God and and make God... That's what I'm trying to say, I guess. Think of God's goodness. It's not an instant thing. Either. No, it's not instant. Thing. Right, I think it's lifelong. It takes right. forever. I, right. I knew a guy 20 years ago that, and I just named the place. He worked at DeLong's as a welder, and he got saved. Um, you'd never know it in most of his actions for the first 10 years. You know, he was just as mean and ornery as. Everything as he always was. And he used that very same excuse. Well, that's just the way I am. (laughs) (laughs) But that's been 25 years ago and the man's changed. It's an ever-ongoing... Sanctification is a process. Um, The key is... uh, Well, if if we're talking about, let's say, pursuing Him or seeking Him out, the Word of God, being in fellowship... Uh, in the church, um, always having that desire for Him. If we don't, then we're going to come up short or be short-sighted as it's stated in in Second uh, Peter, I think, right? Uh, and we're not going to be able to see. Well, that, that man couldn't see. And matter of fact, a lot of people couldn't see him as probably be, being a Christian. Let's say if he was a Christian. And there are actions that are really stumbling people because of it then he's not developing the way that he should. He's not working out what God worked in him. It's, and that's called disobedience, called sin. There's no excuse for sin. We never have an excuse for sin on, on anything. But as Christians, we're very lucky because our God is a forgiving God. Our God is a jealous God and a demanding God. He demands us to do His work on earth that... He's not here to do, but there's a lot of people carrying that same word, and, and in their heart they know the truth, you know. And when somebody comes to you that, <clears throat> let's just use for instance, some guy off the street with hair down his, to his back, some folks would look at him like, okay, this guy, something, something ain't right with him because he's got long hair. But as a Christian, you and I, we don't look at that. We look at this person as a Christian and say, okay, he's he's sharing some of his love that he's been taught over his lifetime. And, you know, no matter what worldly he looks like, I I mean, this is my personal opinion. I mean, I, I feel that as Christians, 
we have to share our love and talk about God's graces and good works and, you know, carry on forward with that and, you know, see how see how they're handling what you're talking about. You know, earlier when we walked in... You mean to be Christ-like? Yes, be as much Christ-like <laughs> as you can. Because it doesn't matter what they do or say. I told a while back he took a $20 bill. Watered and he it showed up. it to everybody. And he said, everybody liked this $20 bill. And he watered all that. And he said, I bet you'd still like this $20 bill. Sorry. You got to take people where they're at sometimes. Yep. And go with it. Yep. Great opportunity. Uh, braided ponytail down to his belt. And he carried a great big folding knife in his pocket. And he wouldn't have been afraid to use it on anybody. God said, protect your temple. I mean, as Christians, we're supposed to. And he has totally changed, but it's taken 25 years. Yeah. And who knows how much more change will happen in not only his life, but yeah. I know. Whenever. Yeah. Well, thanks a lot, there, Bill. You got us going on that one. No. No, we got to move to verse eight. Bill said that. No, go ahead, there. A bit of my own personal testimony about my walk with the Lord, and and I really recommend this to anybody to consider. You know. God's going to work in us all uniquely as with our personalities and things. But I, I really, really desire to be as forgiving as I can. To, you know, that's part of my desire to be like Christ, to be like God, to be as forgiving. So, and to seek forgiveness if, you know, if I wrong somebody. That's real, real up on my list, you know, how I like to conduct my daily walk. Well, what he has been doing in me over the years, <laughs> months and stuff is, and I've been able to see progress from how quickly do I seek that when I need to, or how quickly do I forgive another person who I need to forgive. Um, you know, in other words, be proactive about it, and don't let it fester. Don't let you know. Do it right as soon as you can. You know, get to that forgiveness thing and get that settled. Um, and that, for me, has really enriched my my life with the Lord. Keep short accounts, and, right? Yeah, exactly. And 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 so I would suggest to anyone, you know, who wants to be closer to God, work on that and just see what He'll do with you. Uh, you know, and and don't expect it to be just like Ellen was saying. You know, it's a progressing thing. It's it, and, and if it takes a while for you, that's fine. You know, that's what God's doing with you, but uh, eventually He's going to let He's going to make He's going to empower you to be able to just like you say keep the short accounts and get yeah. right on that. Well, you know, I was, I was thinking, you know, when it when it talks about all this this kind of uh, language that people use and such, we know, okay, that's the people that are lost. He says, don't be like that. But then, how do we view them when they're doing like that? Don't be surprised. When you hear this and you see these things going on, it's a shame the world is like that, but should it be anything different? If they're not converted, what are they going to do? They're going to do what is natural. So therefore, 
look at that person who's doing those things and saying, you know, hopefully God will give me an opportunity that I can get to the point of showing them Christ and I'm not going to be so hung up on some of the words that they're using here because they're lost. Hopefully that they can see that that would be against God one of these days. Right now they don't care about God. But if I get an opening, then I'm going to go for something even more deeper than say, hey, you shouldn't be using those kind of words. Uh, that's not going to impress them. <laughs> but, but then you, you still want to, you, you want to see the change, not only words and actions, but that it would come out to a point of there's been a change in the heart. You know, that's what we look for. But then he's saying to the Ephesians here, make sure you don't do these things along with them, though. They're going to do that. But don't you be doing that. Because you are a changed person. You are born again. You are new. And because of what Christ has done, that's what we do. We go back to that. First, that verse 2. We imitate Him because we... Here's our motive. Here's what Christ did. Uh, I'm just... You know what? Uh, I'm not going to get to verse 8. We're going to have to hang on and wait till next week. So you hang on to those sheets. And... Uh, well, see, that's what verse 8 goes into. That's why I wanted to get into verse 8. Well, that's a good introduction. Uh, you know, because we can have the back side of this. We already have the front side. And because that's... Because, okay, here's what Christ has done. We shouldn't ever want to sin... Because when you really start thinking about how He sacrificed for us, you go, oh my, why would I want to do anything against Him that would hurt, him, that would grieve the Holy Spirit that we talked about last week? Why would I want to do that? And then the backside of it is dealing with the fruit of the light. Now my version says fruit of the Spirit, but really it's better uh, translated as light. And then He says goodness, righteousness, and truth. And that's what we'll get. And finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And uh, so there's the backside, and that's what you're talking about there, Carolyn. And so we're not going to have enough time tonight because of that. And uh, but thank you guys for all of the input. I love it. And it was a, it was we had a really good week last week, but we really missed most of you guys. <laughs> and I was, hey, I want to tell you. It was so quiet in here. Now Janice and Eldon and Audrey and, and, and Bob was here for a little bit and, and then Zach was here for a little bit and then Zach was here. But um, the thing is, it was quiet. You, you could hear a pin drop. And uh, I ran out of things to say. And we quit early. Yeah, for first time ever. I, I was I was done. I wasn't ready yet. You know what? I think God said, I'm not going to let you do anymore because you are not ready to present the next one. I don't know if I was tonight, but I had a little bit more than what I had last week. Yes? I have one more thing to say. Some of the words that can come out of folks' mouth, and I pray this to Christians, our words can either be as a sword or a light. We choose what comes out of our mouth to, to guide another individual. I mean... That's just all I wanted to say. That's right. It can it can affect in every way, can it? Yeah. Let's uh let's stand. Let's uh, close with a word of prayer. I can have our uh, Mizzou Tiger back there, resident Mizzou Tiger. If it, <laughs> he he's wondering what what uh what the over the hill is. Okay. This will be a quick prayer, folks.